Welcome to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 27th of January. And joining me today is Mike Hiya. and Michael. How's it going? What have you guys got then? I have Contemporary Music Marathon, a family concert from Oxford Philharmonic Orchestra and the Cinema Roundup. I've got some edgy theatre, uh, some delightful Americana at the Bullingdon and a talk on science religion and the big questions. Mm. And I've got an interview with Oxford City Stars, a night spent with heroes and villains, and a cheeky request for you listeners. So, as regular listeners will know, we usually start with an Oxford fact, but this week, I have a request for you. Whether you've been listening for many, many years, or you are new to the gang, we would like to know what you think. We've created a survey on SurveyMonkey to let you tell us what you think. So if you think we should include, say, a live orchestra every week, then please do say so. <laughs> I think we probably should, actually. Yeah, I, I just have to knock the wall through and it could be in the next room. That'd be fine. I'm sure that's very, very achievable. Or if you have some suggestions you'd like to make, then please let us know. The link will be under the homepage. If you prefer, you can just send us an email with your suggestions at info at dailyinfo.co.uk. So yeah, looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, first up is something at the Burton Taylor Studio uh, tonight and tomorrow from acclaimed director, playwright, artist, all-round polymath Philip Ridley. It's The Fastest Clock in the Universe, which is first performed in the early 90s and you can probably pick out some parallels with other art forms of the time, Irvin Welsh, Damien Hirst, et al. In terms of using dark themes and surreal situations to make a point about what's going on in society, maybe you'll see what I mean. Action set on the birthday of our anti-hero Cougar Glass in his flat above a derelict fur factory. Where else? And his obsession with youth and beauty leads him to lure people there with nefarious means. But it's become a bit of a dark 19th birthday tradition. Indeed, his last 11 or so birthdays have been his 19th. Um, so there's a bit of a Dorian Gray vibe going on here. But his latest target brings uh, his girlfriend, who becomes a kind of chirpy antagonist. So there's definitely quite a malevolent atmosphere. A fair bit of humour as well, but it can't be allowed to take over or the play loses its bite. So how will it go? Well, you can read a great review on our site, and it sounds like director Alexander Hartley and a great cast uh, produced the macabre parable this play ought to be. Our reviewer also agrees with the Burton Taylor's 18-plus guidance, so be warned. Um, And... Yep, originally this was the middle part of a controversial trilogy of plays. It'll be interesting to see where it is on the controversy scale 24 years later. It's, yeah, it's pretty popular. Friday and Saturday's performances have sold out already, but there's still tickets here for tonight, Wednesday and Thursday. So that's the fastest clock in the universe at the Burton Taylor um, at 7.30pm. Tickets are £6 and £5 concessions. If you fancy other kind of edgy things... On Friday at the Jacqueline Dupre Music Building, which is at St Hilda's on Cowley Place, there is the MASH Marathon. 
So MASH stands for Music at St Hilda's and the Jacqueline Dupre Music Building being part of St Hilda's, uh, they have some excellent programming all through the year. Like a lot of the time they have more traditional stuff like there's some bark cello suites coming up. But they also have a real emphasis on progressive and contemporary things. So um, just before Christmas there was a concert with Chris Redgate who uh, was doing some new work for Oboe and Electronics. And uh, pretty soon there is the uh, Anima, uh, another edition of the Anima series which is new music with animation. They've also got lots of family concerts. I think uh, fairly soon there's um, uh, introducing the tuba to children or something, which is very good. I hear, I hear that'd be great. Meet the tuba. <laughs> but the MASH Marathon, it's this annual event that's inspired by contemporary music festivals like Bang on a Can in America. And it's kind of, it's really long. It's like five or six hours or something. And it's designed to showcase people from the university, people from outside it, who are doing you know interesting new things with electronics and contemporary classical music, that kind of thing. But it's been going for a few years and is always really fun, really successful. And highlights this year include Martin Harry, who's a professor of composition with the music faculty as part of the university, and he does lots of really interesting stuff. But there's also a group called the Inimitable Dog Furrier, which is two guys, Joe Curry and Tom Stafford. Both of them studied Oxford and um, still are actually. And yes, they they're kind of they're really progressive guys, do really interesting stuff with electronics. Yeah, but no, it's it's really good fun to go and watch the, watch the whole marathon. It's only a fiver, and uh, for that much music, and, and there's a bar, there's a mm. uh, very That's going to be my question. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong, so yeah, check it out. Sounds that cool. is this Friday, 6.30 at the JDP for £5. Lucky. I'll be good, yeah, be good to hear it's venues great acoustic use for something other than classical. If, like me, you like any excuse to dress up in fancy dress. The Ashmolean are putting on their live Friday events again this Friday. The theme this time is heroes and villains and there's so much going on in the Ashmolean on the night itself. I went to the Halloween event last October and it was a lot of fun and there's just sort of people dressed up everywhere. When I went there was a ghost walking about which she she was terrifying. Genuinely terrifying. As well as the people dressed up. <laughs> as well as the people dressed wow. up. No, yeah, so these Live Friday things are getting really popular now. Yeah, but they are. There's, it's very good value for money, to be honest. You get a lot out of it. So you can go play board games with the people from Thirsty Meeples. You can see Genghis Khan hanging about amongst the Coins and Metals exhibition. There'll be graphic novel artists happening. There are a lot of fights, it seems, happening. So you've got Horace versus Seth, and wow. there's a performance by a drama group showing The Marriage of Thor, I imagine his brother will come in and cause a bit of havoc with that. <laughs> there will be Lindy hopping and belly dancers and stormtroopers wandering about the corridors. Wow. Uh, so it's kind of historical heroes and villains. It's a whole mix. A whole mix, yeah, yeah. Yeah, real and fantasy. <laughs> stormtroopers from a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? One, okay, really boring superpower really, I'd like to be able to have is... You know how the scale, like the scales and the dials on both showers and toasters, are always different in everyone's and everywhere. I just like to be able to understand and <laughs> have the power over toasters and showers, so I could work them wherever I go. Because that's always that's not a superpower. I don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> a superpower, and then it, you could add to that. You could try and like time having a shower with putting toast in. Yeah. Like while you're in the shower, you're like, I want some toast. I, I want to be the domestic superhero, basically. <laughs> 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 to understand toasters the world over. I really want to be able to hoover right inside corners. And <laughs> yeah. Yes, make them do my bedding. Fantastic. Oh, being amazing at polishing. <laughs> These are real life superpowers, people. <laughs> You're changing the world by yourselves. Well, I, I've thought of a nice superpower. It'd be yeah. nice to be able to talk to statues. 
So you can like talk to historical figures. Yeah. Stuff, the things they must have seen. Exactly. Have you seen Night at the Museum? Are you talking about Night at the Museum? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> if you went to the if you went to the Natural History Museum then, would you be able to talk to the dinosaurs? Yes. You'd be able to chat to the dinosaurs, be like, so what was the deal? Rar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, be able to talk to statues and like translate as well, what they're saying. So if you'd like to be a hero just for the day, head on to the Ashmolean Museum on Friday night at 7pm. Tickets are £7.50 or it's free for under 12s. Okay, on to gigs now and some Americana at the Bullingdon. I was going to I was going to be talking about Americana bringing the the warm vibes of the southern states over to Oxford at the moment, but I think it's equally chilly everywhere right now. So it's fortunate that, that the music is 75% sunshine. So this is the Dreaming Spires who are playing on Sunday. Yes, from deepest, darkest southern England. Just to make sure we're on the same page here, uh, when I speak of Americana, I'm thinking the birds, Neil Young, uh, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers kind of area. So if that's your bag, take note. These guys wear their influences on their sleeves, which you can tell from song titles which find them in Brooklyn or being inspired by seeing Dusty Springfield in Memphis or uh, indeed acknowledging that, as the song title goes, not every song from the 60s is a classic. So it was it was cool earlier on for me to sit down and listen to a band whose name I see everywhere and, and indeed maybe they're called the Dreaming Sparrows because you can pretty much see them from any vantage point in Oxford. And Americana is not a genre I know so deeply, but Dreaming Sparrows inhabit it really well. Um, recreating classic sounds, and whether you like or balk at really earnest songwriting, and I think it's kind of honest and brave uh, if done right. They get away with really earnest songs through the filter of classic 60s culture. So they've been on a bit of a US tour in the real, actual uh, Nashville and Memphis and the aforementioned places um, and also been to the equally exotic Andrew Marr show <laughs> 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 What uh, do you think Americans think of Americana? If you, as an Americana band goes on tour do they become some weird English band? Sorry, uh, the UK The UK band. Americana band going to America I don't know I think that Something like that has been happening since the 60s anyway, when the Beatles and the Stones would go back and like their blues-influenced songs, they'd be, they'd be bringing it back just through their own through their own filters. It's not a bit like, what do you call a Brazil nut if you're in Brazil? <laughs> it may be, what do you... What do you... A nut. <laughs> <laughs> Support comes from Lewis and Lee, a songwriting duo whom the Spires met in Nashville and to hail half from Mississippi and half North Wales. And to sound and seem entirely lovely. So that's the Dreaming Spires uh, with Lewis and Lee at the Bullingdon on Sunday from 7pm and tickets are £8. If you feel like going to any of the events that we're talking about, then maybe you should write a review. Feel free to send us an email or submit it through the website, anything that you have to say. If you're looking for some clothing for your fancy dress outfit for Heroes and Villains at the Ashmolean, why not check out our clothing page? And as we said earlier, if you want to tell us how wonderful we are or if you have ideas for events or uh, even personalities that we should cover in the podcast, then send us some feedback on using the SurveyMonkey link on our homepage or just send us an email at info at dailyinfo.co.uk. So I was talking about the Cushion concerts at the JDP earlier 
So Oxford Philharmonic Orchestra, who have recently changed their name from Philharmonica. So if I make that mistake a few times, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> For a while, they've been they've kind of have every now and then a fun Musica concert, which is their big family concerts. And this edition is called From Hamlin to Hogwarts, and is at the Oxford Town Hall on Sunday at three p.m. So it's all kind of themed around children's literature. With uh, it's kind of a big storytelling concert with uh, Alistair Malloy who works a lot with uh, a lot of big orchestras running family concerts, educational things, stuff like that. Um, and yes, there's going to be things from Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, like Arabian Nights, and they're going to have to do some film music. Like if you do a Lord of the Rings, then how can you get away with it? But um, no, there's also for Arabian Nights, they'll have Scheherazade and just lots of fun things, and it's a good way to introduce kids to you know short, light bits of music and be good fun. And there's lots of stuff for uh, kids going on in the wider classical world, actually. So you might have come across the BBC's Ten Pieces, which um, they're on around Christmas. The second part of the anyway, so they kind of BBC uh, concert orchestra, I think, recorded a few pieces, and then there were little animations and programmy things to do with them, and they were really good. They went down really, really well. A fun music, it's live, it's great. Go to that instead. <laughs> yes, it only comes around a few times a year, and it's you know always fun. It's mid afternoon, good for the kids. Uh, yes, yeah, so Oxford Town Hall, Sunday, three pm, and tickets are four to ten pounds. Did you ever have a favourite piece of classical music when you were a child? I used to listen to the Hall of the Mountain King on repeat um, oh. in my living room. Yeah, no, I did as well. It's great. It was good. It's similar to the Sources of Apprentice, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> Disney did introduce me to lots of things actually. Yeah. Yeah, I got into classical stuff through playing it and my brother playing it and my mum playing it, and I find that. So my brother's interpretations were a bit liberal sometimes, so I'd be like, it's an entirely different time signature when I hear the real version. I'd be quite entertained that he'd just been, he'd just been remixing as he went. As I may have hinted um, in previous Oxcast episodes, I'm a massive fan of Oxford City Stars, our local ice hockey team. Really, Katie? I'm not sure that's ever come up. <laughs> And I finally had the opportunity to interview a couple of them. I spoke to Joe Edwards and team captain Darren Elliott about what they would say to people who are put off ice hockey because of the violence. Whenever you speak to people that haven't watched a game of hockey before and they say, oh, oh, there's a lot of fighting involved and all this, I think before anyone can judge ice hockey, I think you have to come and see the complete physicality of the whole sport as a whole. Everyone said, oh, it's really violent, there's a lot of fights. Fights don't just happen for the sake of fighting. Like, There's physical, like Joe said, there's hitting, but body checking. It's, people don't say lacrosse is rough, but I mean, lacrosse is meant to be quite a physical sport as well. But there's a lot of aspects to it, and the fights only really occur if something bad's happened, like a real cheap foul or a real dirty hit on someone, and then that'll escalate later on and, then, and go on from things like that. It's not where two teams turn up and square off on the ice five against five and just have a fist fight. It's not down to that, but it, I'm not going to lie, it does happen. Sometimes balls happen and there's a few fights going on at one time, but it's not just about two teams turning up and having a fight on the ice. It's, it's a lot more competitive and professional than that. It's, there's, a, there's a mental side to all the fighting as well. As in, If you go into a rink and you're losing 3-1, the game's got a bit stagnant, you want to try and, it's got a bit dormant and you want to try and rekindle things effectively. And someone goes and does something like the whole bench, there's a big buzz in the whole building, it gets the crowd into the game, it gets everyone really excited. And we have had it before, we've gone straight back out, scored a goal and you're back in the game. And that is an element you of the You can't just knock the opposition for six. Yeah, so if you see two people have a fight on the ice, very often they'll go to the point of the side and like, 
know, shake hands. There's no you have a drink in the bar afterwards yeah, and you're talking. You, you, some of the best relationships in hockey, you meet anyone else from any other team, you meet them outside of hockey, your best mates, and you'll be, you'll be at the pub together and it's, it's absolutely not that we're a sports drink together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really, it, it's not what it looks like from the outside. It's, very, it's, it's, it's a whole really professional grown, side. It's grown into the sport. Mm. There are rules in place to make sure it's safe. You're not allowed to do anything that could really injure someone and get banned for a long time. No one wants to you know, get banned. Everyone loves playing ice hockey. You have to weigh up the physical side to how high the skill level is to watch people do what they're doing on the ice whilst on ice skates, whilst someone six foot five is trying to knock them over. With it. It's amazing. And sometimes it just does boil over a little bit. Yeah. And the physical side of it is a massive thing for the crowd. They love it. Hearing the sound of someone get like skating down the ice and then you've got someone chasing them and you just bump into each other yeah. and the sound when you hit the boards and like, you can tell whenever anyone makes a real good hit or some good physical play like the crowd the crowd go mad and that's when you hear the crowd going crazy you know you're doing something right if that has perhaps changed your view of ice hockey why not head down to the oxford city stars game on sunday at the oxford ice rink it starts at 6.15 and tickets are at £9 and it's £5 for concessions or £20 for a for two adults and two children. This Sunday there's a special offer where kids get in for a quid so there's no excuse and they frequently offer free tickets for Oxford United fans. So it's really worth going. How do you prove that? <laughs> you show your season ticket uh, or you show your ticket stub for the match. Uh, so there's a talk happening at the Museum of Natural History Lecture Theatre next Tuesday, called, get this, The Penultimate Curiosity, Science, Religion, and... The Big Questions. Which, God read my silly voice, I actually think sounds really interesting. So it's a lecture uh, doubling as a book launch for a, of a book by the same name, uh, and the subtitle is How Science Swims in the Slipstream of Ultimate Questions. It's been presented by um, an accomplished artist and... Uh, Similarly accomplished scientist by Roger Wagner and Andrew Briggs. Briggs's research focuses on nanomaterials and quantum technologies and things which are far beyond my understanding. Um, and Wagner, who produces rich landscapes, illustrated books, ceramics, and so on. Um, and amongst the outdoor outdoor scenes, I saw something very familiar from Ifley Village, and also a stained glass window from St Mary's. So indeed, both are based in Oxford. And their dual perspectives will, I imagine, be showing that scientific curiosity and metaphysical or religious curiosity, far from being opposed, can happen in tandem. So reading about the book, it seems I'll be drawing evidence from the whole history of recorded intellectual endeavour. No biggie. Um, And simply accessible, they're not making... um, presumptions about scientific knowledge or religious convictions uh, at all. A rather rather beautiful promotional video shows detail from many university buildings around these parts dedicated to scientific pursuit and how they feature faith-derived imagery. Um, so I'm no expert in history or architecture and you could suggest that it was just the culture of the time or that there was sponsorship involved. But uh, the point they're making is searching for the why of the universe uh, gives perspective to searching for the how and vice versa. So the two have written this book together. This is the launch event, so you can, I think, get uh, specially priced copies hot off the press afterwards. The event's entirely free. They advise booking in advance as expecting it to book up quickly. 
do so through Eventbrite. Um, also be showing excerpts from a forthcoming documentary. Apparently, all the media are covered somehow <laughs> in this. The drinks reception afterwards amongst the dinosaurs. Hmm. Remember, this is in the Museum of Natural History. Um, and the whole shebang is being filmed for some reason. So it's, it's like everything, wow. <laughs> everything happening in one go, covering the biggest, uh, deepest questions of the universe. You may need a drink afterwards, but it'll also be a good opportunity to ask some questions and hopefully get to talking to some of the people involved so that's an ultimate curiosity happening next tuesday at 6 p.m at the museum of natural history and it's absolutely free so to finish off our weekly cinema roundup uh, i've got two films for you this week the big short and spotlight so both these are kind of uh faux documentary biographical drama type uh type things about scandals so the first one the big short Adam McKay's new film based on the book by Michael Lewis. So the book is actually non-fiction, but um, the film is kind of fictionalised and dramatised to make it more fun. Uh, it's about the route up to the financial crisis in 2008, following a bunch of bankers and hedge fund managers as they realise that the housing bubble is going to collapse. And so it's really interesting. It, I mean, it's pretty heavy going because it's, it's, it's really technical and fully explains how it actually happened. Um, and having to explain all the you know the millions of acronyms and processes and products that the banks were using is um is difficult, but they do it in really funny ways. Sort of every time a new really important acronym comes up, they'll get a different celebrity to go through an explanation. <laughs> There's like Selena Gomez and um, some other people. It's it's good fun. Um, they interrupt the flow a little, but it is useful and, and it's funny. Uh, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, so I won't reveal the end to it. I mean, what well, the end is that there was a financial yeah. crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you might know this story. <laughs> but the way it's presented, it makes you realise how terrible and fraudulent the banks and the credit agencies were and kind of in their desperation to hold the markets up and stop themselves from going down. But obviously doing that made it fail more. And... But it's packed full of stars. There's Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Brad Pitt and Christian Bale. But there's also kind of smaller British ones. So Rafe Spall is in it, Timothy Spall's son. Also Karen Gillan from Doctor Who. And the character performances are all really uh, really well thought out. And it's almost to the point of appearing contrived, but it's because they're based on real people and the actors have got in and watched them for about three years or something. But, uh, so it is quite good. But um, you do really feel the tension of all the characters and kind of it does try and bring out some of the goods in at least the ones we're following because they've noticed all the things that are going wrong. Mm. But it, it's a good film. I watched it last night and um, yes, go and watch that. That's good. Uh, the second one, Spotlight. This one charts the Boston Globe's uncovering of the child sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church in Boston in the early noughties. Um, so in real life, this this uh, piece of investigative journalism, um, it won a Pulitzer Prize. Um, and around 90 priests in Boston were found to have been connected. And kind of around the world, 850 have been uh, de- uh, defrocked and 2,500 have been um, sanctioned by the church. So it has had a major, major effect. Um, and the film is, it's quite, I haven't seen it, but the reviews are saying that it's quite respectful. Um, and it's saying, it's the story is about the victims and not about these journalists being heroes. Um, and it kind of follows this theme of um, Boston being a sort of really large village community. And it's about them all covering up and uh, kind of unanimous culture of looking away. But it's up for loads and loads of Oscars including Best Picture and Best Actor and stuff. And it's got Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton and Rachel McAdams. So, yeah, I think that's worth a watch as well. Yeah, it should be very, very good. Lots of people are loving it and have put it on kind of top film list of 2015 because it sort of came out just at the end. But, yes, two great films that uh, 
maybe you know not blockbustery type uh, bombastic things, but definitely very interesting and very good films. For full cinema listings, uh, see our cinema pages on the website at dailyinfo.co.uk. If you want to take up hockey, we've got lots of hockey sticks going on our sports and equipments page right now. And to be kept up to date with events and what's happening in town, follow us on your preferred social medium. I love using the singular. Um, take your pick from Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast uh, so it comes straight to your device every week from iTunes or your preferred mm. podcast provider. Daily, 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 daily,